0: In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. That's why he came. He came, uh, Jesus came, uh, you know, God came down to save mankind, to, to bring us back to him, because sin had separated us from God. And, you know, God is holy and uh, sin can have no place. He, he cannot dwell with sin. So something had to happen for the sin to be taken care of. And that's why Jesus came. But in coming to take our sin and to give his body as a sacrifice for us, God achieved, if you like, a double whammy. Because not only did he cleanse us and forgive us of our sin and bring us back into right standing with himself through the blood that Jesus shed for us, but by uh, Jesus's body being beaten and whipped and mutilated and tortured, he paid the price for every sickness and every disease to be healed. So that every human being, every man, woman or child, regardless of where they they came from, regardless of what it is that's afflicting them, Jesus took care of that sickness in his own body on the tree. And this is what it says here. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. Jesus took on uh, human nature. He he was born as one of us. And that's why they didn't recognize him. Because they were expecting to see this Messiah. They knew that God was going to send a Messiah to save them. But they were waiting for this this glorious king. And you know, next, um, no, not next, yeah, it is next month, isn't it, that, that Charles will be crowned king in, in England. And there'll be like massive fanfare and all kinds of parties and celebrations and and, you know pomp and ceremony well that's what they were looking for and they didn't expect a little baby, they didn't expect a humble child, they didn't expect God to come as one of us to come with human flesh and blood but he did And Jesus came and he grew up as one of us. He endured everything that any one of us has ever endured. He went through it. He has gone through everything that any one of us has ever gone through because he had to experience everything the same as we do in order to conquer sin and death and sickness and calamity. He had to, like if you like, there was a clipboard and there was like different points on it that had to be achieved. Sin, sickness, torment, anguish, mocking, rejection, heartache, heartbreak, disease. Everything. Jesus ticked all of those boxes and every word that had been prophesied about him right through uh, the, the word of God from Moses all the way through the prophets. He fulfilled every scripture that was spoken about him, every prophecy that was given about him. And so because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son, Jesus, also became flesh and blood for only as a human being. Do you understand that? That, you see, in order for the law to be fulfilled, that's why it says in Colossians that the blood of Jesus, and and you really need to study these scriptures and, and ask the Lord to give you revelation. It's the Holy Spirit who, if you like, turns on the lights you, you can read and people all through, all through the earth have read or have tried to read the Bible and they've tried to read it as you would read a novel or a book and you can't read the Bible that way because the Bible is not just a series of letters and characters and type paragraphs. The Bible, the word of God is a person, it's Jesus. And the only way of, of uh, fully comprehending and, and taking in that's why he said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. You know, we, uh, he said, I am the, the bread come down from heaven, the heavenly manna, the living water. He said, if any of you wants, uh, you know, never to thirst again, come to me and I will give you living water. So there's this, this sustenance and this source of life that only comes from Jesus and from comprehending what he was doing. As a human being. Why did he have to come as a man? Why did he have to suffer? He did it for you. Turn around to your neighbor and say. He did it for you. He did it for you. <laughs> he, did it for you. he did it for you. For you. It's, it's personal. It's you personally. It's not them. Or us. Or all of us. You know. Sure it is all of us. But it's not. It's personal. That's why he went. That's why he gave so many teachings. About sheep. About sheep. And he said, you know, the good shepherd goes after that lost sheep. And Jesus himself said, I did not come for those who think they have it all together and who know it all. And who think that they're perfectly fine because they they do this, this, this and this. You know, they fulfill all of the obligations of the law. They go through all the rituals. Uh, They go through the motions. and, And they feel satisfied in themselves that they've done enough. And God, you better have seen exactly what I did. You know, that's not why Jesus came. He said, I didn't come for those ones. He called them the religious. He called them hypocrites. He called them broods of vipers. You know, he, he was fairly blunt and frank when he spoke about, about these people. He said, I came to seek and to save those who were lost. He, God said he came to send his son to have a relationship with every man, woman, and child who would come to know him. And you know, if you're in a relationship, and, and that relationship is a loving relationship, where, where both, uh, you know, say a marriage, a husband and a wife, where both the husband and the wife love and honour and cherish and value and respect each other. There's, there's such a union there in that you know and and God said that our relationship with him is mirrored that's why he 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 caused the man and the woman to be married because he said it's a reflection of the relationship between God and his children and 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 all of us that he created this intimacy and in that perfect union of 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 uh, you know <clears throat> Both looking to out-bless each other. There's everything you need there in that place. And that's what God was trying to demonstrate. And you know the sin had to be dealt with. Because sin cannot dwell in the presence of God. And so only as a human being could Jesus die. And look at this. Only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And you see, that's what most people in life, if you talk to them and you ask them what's going to happen when you die, you really, you really, you know, trigger them in a way, because it's a fear of death that, that drives most people to uh, turn away from God and try and say la 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 I'm not listening it's not real he's not real or it drives them to to do you know uh, good work after good work after good work after good work wearing themselves out trying to please God and gain some brownie points so that when they die that they that he might actually consider their application to to come to heaven and that's not, you know, that's, that's man's way of dealing with it. And that has been taught, and it needs to be unlearned. And you really need to fight with that, because that's a religious spirit. And it's teaching people that only by being a good person, and by doing the right things, and, uh, that, that God will like me, and that hopefully I'll have some chance and that hopefully I'll leave people here on this earth who will kind of pray for me after I'm dead and and hopefully, uh, you know, get me into heaven. That's not why Jesus came. He came. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captives free. And where the devil has operated in this earth, he has operated where he has gained authority and access into people's lives through sin, where they have opened the door often and most times unknowingly to the devil. And he has been able to come in and drive over them like, like you'd see one of those earth movers when they're starting to develop a, a, a building site. You know those huge things and it comes in and steamrolls over that person and knocks them for six. Whether it's a broken relationship or an abuse or a trauma or a sickness or a disease. And Jesus has challenged and given this mandate to the church that we are to preach the good news. It's good news. It's yeah. not bad news. It's good news. You know? And, and uh, this is what the enemy has done. is He has held, if you like, in his hand this, this power of the fear of death. And the fear of death here is another translation for it is the fear of Failure. So you have people who live all their lives who are afraid of dying or afraid of failing in some area because death, you know, physical death is failure of life. Well, in the same way, you have people who are married, who are living all their lives trying to please and, and do the right thing so that that marriage will not fail. You hear it, the death of a marriage. You have people who work 25 uh, hours a day if they could, if there was 24, 25 uh, hours in a day, they would work it in order to keep their business afloat because they're afraid of the death of a business or the, the failure And you see, this is the power the enemy has had. You have people who are afraid that they'll fail in their minds and that they'll lose their minds or that they'll lose their job or or whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is, whether it's a sickness or a relationship or a work thing or or a, 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 a mind or emotional matter. It doesn't matter what it is. It's the fear of death, the fear of failure. And that's what Jesus came. He came to break that fear of failure by having a relationship with you, with me, as an individual. And so, for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had, he had, see that? He had the power of death. Because when Jesus went to the cross and died... Uh, And and was buried. God raised him from the dead. And he overcame death, hell, and sickness, and disease, and failure. And he did it as a human being, as a man, so that we could also uh, benefit and and share in that triumph. Hallelujah. And only in this way, in verse 15, only in this way, what is it? Could he set free All who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying and ultimately that is what each person on this earth battles with the most and you talk to people one to one and you'll soon find out you know because that's the difference with somebody who knows the Lord Jesus Christ they have no fear of death they have no fear of failure you know there may be difficult circumstances and trials and various issues that are going on but they know in their heart that Jesus has them covered and that he will turn around what the enemy Tried to do for evil, and you know, like we said last week in last week's teaching, it is written, it's already been written that by his stripes you are healed. Amen. It's already written that God has accepted you and loves you and values you as a precious, special uh, treasure in his kingdom. You are his, he said, you are his special treasure. You are the apple of his eye. Think about this in relation to to a parent with their little child. That child... You know, they might, uh, you know, a little baby uh, when they're born and and they just goo or they ga and the mommy or the daddy are going, oh my goodness, this, you know, this is the most amazing child that has ever been born because they love that baby and that child so much. And, And the Lord, you know, he has referred himself to himself in the word of God as such a tender father. He said, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. Hallelujah, what promises, that's already written there. And, and Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, I will not forsake you, you will not be left alone, because I will send the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the Holy, you know, God has, has uh, he is one, and yet he is three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father. Excuse me the father you know well he's the father jesus is the son who is if you like the face of god he he is he came on this earth as the face of god and the hands of god the holy spirit is the presence of god um and and he is is you know jesus sent the holy spirit when he went back to the father because now the holy spirit can dwell in each one of us and he's the one who reveals the word of god to us he he teaches us all things you know, there may be things that you don't understand. You need to ask, Holy Spirit, will you show me here? Will you give me the strategy? For maybe you're in, an, in in a in a big problem. Maybe there's some big issue in your life that you don't have the answer to. And you ask the Holy Spirit. So let's have a look at James chapter one. Praise God. It's exciting. You know, God is, he is for you. And we read that last night on Zoom. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is for you, who can be against you? In, um, in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it nothing but joy. Consider it nothing but joy. <laughs> okay? Consider it nothing but joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Okay, you you know, we've all been through various trials. Uh, Some people have had very difficult trials to deal with. Uh, Some people have have had trials that have lasted for years and years and years. Uh, And the Lord is speaking here and he's saying, consider it joy when you fall into trials because be assured That the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance or patience. Okay. Say patience, patience. Endurance. endurance, endurance, and patience. Not words we kind of like. Do you like those words? I don't like those words because endurance uh, reminds me of something like a long, long race to keep running in, and I, I, you know, you have to have stamina and you have to have fitness, and and there can be lots of different conditions, and you know, it just doesn't seem pleasant or, or welcoming to me. And patience certainly doesn't. Uh, uh, light my fire because it means I must wait for something and we never want to wait like I said you know I think we are the generation of the McDonald's window go to the window pay at the window go to the next window and get your food and uh, it's quite easy and we want things to be easy and straightforward and sometimes they're not uh, through various reasons not from God's you know it's not god who's done it but it can often be that that there's an area where the enemy has gained access there also could be just, uh, you know, you're under attack because there's a call in your life. It might be nothing at all to do with sin. You know, sometimes people get very condemned and say, I must be doing something wrong or there must be, you know, sometimes it's not sin. It's, it's just that you're under attack because the Lord has got a, a call in your life. And, and the, the devil seems to know this and, and seems to spot it and seems to, to bring trials and all kinds of, of problems into people's lives where there's, a, where there's an anointing. That's that God wants to use in the future. And so be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance. So it, it, it gives birth to patience and endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. Okay, So spiritual maturity is where that no matter what is happening, that you can look at the circumstances and say, I don't care what it looks like, God is bigger. You know, in the children's room years ago, we used to have a song. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. With actions. The mountains are his, the valleys are his, the stars are his handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do for you, there's nothing my God cannot do hallelujah you know that's what spiritual maturity is is that no matter what is facing you that you lean on the lord and you say god i don't have the answer for this but i know that you do and i know that you are greater and i know that there is nothing impossible with you and lord what man says is impossible is possible with god and that's why you have to you have to know this the word of god for yourself like brendan said last week you know when you're in a crisis guaranteed You'll be there alone and guaranteed you'll have no phone and no Bible, and you'll be there saying, How do I respond or react to this? You know, the way that the human nature and the human flesh will respond is, Oh my God, look what's happening. I can't believe this. You know, but the way that a spiritually mature Christian will respond is, Lord, this is, this is shocking me, this is, is really uh, trying to derail me, but I know that you are bigger and I know that your word says that by your stripes I'm healed, I know that your word says that every good and perfect thing comes from you. I know that your word says that you will supply all my needs. I know that your word says that you surround me with your favor as a shield. That's what is written in your word and it is your word I'm standing on and there I will see your deliverance you are my refuge and my hiding place you know and this is how we need to be talking and the thing is is the enemy gets people to shut up and, and, and close their mouths or, or better still fill their mouths with, with all kinds of, of gossip and slander and accusation and stupidness. You know, he gets us, like I said before, to, to go put out fires here, there, and everywhere instead of, of, of you know, steadying ourselves and, and, and standing still and speaking what God has said to that situation. And so, that's what being spiritually mature means. So, that, that, Testing of your faith will produce patience that will uh, have you to grow spiritually. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, you, uh, you, you look back at your pictures from when you were a little child. God, you were so cute then. What happened? I don't know. But um, uh, you, you look back and you see and you say, oh, it was lovely. Or, or you see your own children and, you, you know, and then they grow up. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> joking. No, they're getting more beautiful every day. But the thing is, you know, they're so cute. But but then you started feeding them. And as you fed them, they grew. And that's the same with the Word of God. As we feed ourselves on the Word of God, what happens is we start, we start growing spiritually. And we start also, if you notice, with the little baby, uh, you know, when they're... Three, four weeks old, they're still drinking the bottle. But when they're like six, seven months old, they're, they're getting some solid food. And suddenly, there's, there's like strength starting to come. Uh, you know, their little legs start getting chubby and strong. Their muscles start getting that bit stronger. And then they start standing up. And as they're standing up or crawling, what they're doing is they're exercising their muscles, strengthening them, and they're learning how to walk. And then, you know, they might start. I remember the day my nephew, he was so cute. He started uh, just out of the blue one day. He was only like 11 months older that way. And uh, he was standing up against one of the presses in in my sister's kitchen. And I was there and she was there as well. And he looks over and he was a real happy kind of guy. And he starts going, ha! and uh, like this and we were saying oh you're lovely and the next thing he starts moving ha ha, ha, ha <laughs> like a robot you know one leg the other leg and it was just it was like a miracle saying <laughs> you're so amazing but um you know that's the thing is that the, as the muscles are strengthened the baby learns how to walk and then you know, uh, six months later, he didn't just know how to walk, he knew how to run because his muscles and he got stabilized and that happened to every one of us, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. And spiritually, God wants that to happen to you as you study his word and as you ponder and meditate on his word. The world is holding out a carrot to people, telling them, you know, oh, what you need is yoga and what you need is to meditate, clear your mind and put... This is... The enemy setting people up with a false god, a false religion, and and teaching them to open their minds to all kinds of demonic agendas and, and influences and voices... But, you know, meditating on the Word of God is studying it, reading it, and then thinking about what you just read and and going over it in your mind. Okay, if God says, um, you know, that, that he took my sins and my sicknesses on his own body, on the tree, and that I, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, and by his wounds I was healed, you start thinking about that. The wounds he took, he took them on his body so that I could be made well. What am I doing uh, allowing this thing to sit in my body? What am I doing allowing this infirmity to dominate and control me? This is an illegal you know, a, an illegal operation by the devil. So I take my authority now and command you, devil. You, you are bound in the name of Jesus. I'm not falling for those tricks any longer. And I declare that by his stripes, by the stripes that Jesus took, for me, I am healed. Amen. That's how you meditate on the word of God, Amen. you know? And, and you talk to the Lord and say, there's things you read on the word of God and you might not understand. Or there's things that are, you know, maybe like I said, that you're going through and you don't understand. Well, let's keep on reading here. In James 1, we're still here. Um, it says in verse 4, Let endurance or let patience have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. So you see, as you are, are patient, and, and, you know, the day that that little boy started walking uh, at, at 11 months old, we didn't say to him, come on, run now, run. We did not. We allowed him to, to we allowed his, his, his learning to have its, its, you know, to have patience with his learning. And as he learned... He learned how to get stronger in his legs. He learned how to walk straight. He learned then how to run. And so patience has a perfect work as we allow the Lord and trust him. And um, then if any of you lacks wisdom in verse five, if any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or a circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God. You see, God is so good. That's the thing. God is good all the time, and he never changes. And people have been taught that perhaps it's God who's doing this to you. You know, God is doing this to you to teach you a lesson. That's baloney. God is teaching you no lesson. Because if that were so, if God were teaching you a lesson, then he made Jesus go through the cross for, for cruelty and for no purpose. The cross was the one time sacrifice and the one time, uh, you know, uh, cleansing and, and healing and deliverance act by God. All encompassed, tied up in the package of salvation for one time for all. And so, you know, uh, God is not doing it. Will you say that? God is not doing it. God is not behind it. No, no, that's the truth. You know, later on in James, in, in verse 17, he goes out, you can actually read it there in 17, he says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, In whom there is no variation, no shadow, no turning. God never changes. You know, God never changes. God is good. God is good, and he wants you to enjoy your life. He wants you to have a good life. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be strong. He wants your family to be strong. He wants you to be a blessing everywhere you go. He wants you to be able to get up every day and go out to work and do your work and bless people around you. That's what you were created for. You've been, you've been given a purpose and a mandate, I hate to hear it when people say they're going to retire or whatever, thinking that they're going to just go away to some sunny uh, Caribbean island and sit down and never do anything ever again. You know what? Uh, That's not a good way to think. You know, God has a purpose for you for every stage of your life. Sure, maybe he'll get you to... Uh, change from, from the, the position you've been in for 40 years but you know he still has a work for you to do no matter what age you are yeah. and um, every good and perfect gift comes from God and he never changes but back to verse 5 if any of you lacks wisdom to guide you through a decision or a circumstance you are to ask our benevolent good God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame and it will be given to him. You know, God would never blame anybody for asking him. I don't know what to do here. Please help me. And you know, there's been so many people down through the years. Who've had uh, tremendous supernatural experiences with the Lord. When they have cried out from the bottom of their heart. God, if you're real. Will you show me? And, and teach me? And show me what to do? And God, he He. You know, he's attracted to weakness. God is attracted to weakness. That's why the scripture says, let the weak say I am strong. Amen? Amen? Let's sing it. Let Let the weak weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the blind say I can see. It's what the Lord has Amen. We praise you, Lord. And, you know, this day is uh, in the calendar. You know, we're coming up to Passover this week and to Good Friday and, and Resurrection Sunday next Sunday. And, you know, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, uh, the week, uh, the couple of days before he was crucified, um, that the course of that song goes on to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. And. Um, and and that's what they sang as Jesus Amen. came into to Jerusalem that day, Amen. and um, they sang the little children sang, "Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord." Amen. You know, the Holy Spirit actually uh, spoke to those people. They they laid their coats out. You know, none of the people who should have been honoring Jesus were there to honor him, but the ordinary, uh, regular people came out and laid their coats on the road uh, for him to ride over uh, as he was riding the donkey into Jerusalem and they shouted out Bless- Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna in the highest and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you know the, the religious uh, hypocrites there, they, they, it says in the word of God they were indignant they were they were actually violent with rage and anger, and they said to Jesus, "Do you hear what those what those children are saying? Get them to stop immediately and Jesus said, "Have you never heard out of the mouth of babes and infants God has ordained praise and he was quoting there from proverbs and uh you know there's something in praising the Lord, and uh, you know you may not know many songs uh, I encourage you to to to, when you 're listening to music you know instead of listening to ACDC, I would suggest perhaps uh to put on some some worship music and learn some of the even the contemporary um you know aileen has has really i think broadened our horizons with her worship here because it's it's you know um The Lord says, "Learn a new song." And I know the old songs are wonderful, and we do sing them, and and that's great. But you know, there's there's power and there's strength that comes to us when we praise and when we worship the Lord. And I would encourage you to, you know, there's maybe different times of day and night. Maybe in the evening time, you prefer something softer and more instrumental. But leave something, a phone or a a device somewhere, and leave it playing for a while uh, in your home, and set the tone and the atmosphere for the. Holy Spirit to come and to move, because God wants relationship with you, not just on Sunday. He doesn't just want, you know, to see you saying, hey, here I am. How's it going? See you again uh, soon. That's not what he wants. He wants to have relationship with you all day, every day. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you wisdom and to show you great and mighty things which you have not known. And that's why Jesus came. And, and those, those children and, and people who were, who were shouting that day as, Je- as Jesus was entering Jerusalem, he knew he was going there to die. He knew he was going to lay down his life and sacrifice his life so that all of us could have life. And what a pity it is when we waste our lives! What a pity, you know, when you see people waste their lives. And, and there's many people, you know, you know that are that are caught up in all kinds of stupidness, all kinds of addictions or, or, or problems. And you know, they they're forever cribbing and mouthing off and complaining. God, what a waste of life! Because you know it. it life is so valuable and so precious and even the simple smallest of things god wants to talk to you as you as you go about your day and so that wisdom it's not just for big decisions you know like sometimes maybe people think that i need to go to church or i need to pray about this this massive decision i need to make now no he wants you to talk to him all day and he will give you wisdom for everything you're doing Amen, just like dances when he lays his hands on machines and they recover and be healed (laughs) and start working again. You know, that's he he wants you to talk to him when you're driving into town. I always ask him, Lord, will you give me a space? I thank you now, angels, move the people out of my way (laughs) so I have a space. You know, or whatever, Lord, when you're going shopping, Lord, I ask you for favor today, that you show me where to go and where I get favor or whatever. You know, the Lord wants to be involved in every detail of your life and not just banished into the darkness. Of a Sunday morning or a Saturday night for for half an hour. That's not that's not relationship. And if you were living with somebody or, or or married uh you know or had a family member who only wanted to see you for fifteen minutes in the week or maybe in the month, you know, you don't have much of a relationship with that person, sorry. And uh, the thing is, is that relationships need to be worked on, and they are two-way. They're not just talking and asking and wanting and needing and demanding, but they are also, uh, you know, listening and receiving. And, And Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The devil has only one agenda, to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't care how he does it. He wants to cause destruction. And take as many people as he can in this path of destruction. But Jesus said in John 10, I have come that you would enjoy your life and have it to the full. Enjoy your life to the full. Amen. Praise God. So, you know, Jesus was, was tested and we read there in, in verse 2 in James, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into various trials. Uh, this is the total polar opposite of how we would you know, in the flesh feel when there's a trial or or a difficult circumstance. Because when something difficult is going on, your flesh reacts and saying, what is this now? I can't believe this. Why is this happening? But yet the Lord says, consider it joy. You need to start praising the Lord in the midst of it. Don't praise him for the problem, but praise him in the problem, and you will see his hand turn that problem around. And what the enemy, you know, said is impossible uh, or or is never going to happen, God will make a way. It says he'll make a way where there is no way. He'll make streams flow in the the desert and, and waters in the wilderness. He already did it for His people, you know. So I I just want to encourage you with that. Um, There are times of testing. Jesus was tested. Um, Let's have a look at Psalm 26. Are you happy to be here? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 26. In verse 2, I'll read one as well. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have relied on and trusted confidently in the Lord without wavering, and I shall not slip. There's that thing with doubt again. You know, I've just really been feeling for the last few weeks that the Lord is really urging his church to get rid of doubt. Boot it out the door. And, uh, you know, as confirmation, I've actually heard a few teachers that I listened to on various times, all teaching about doubt as well, which has been really encouraging. You know, it's the, whole, it's the same Holy Spirit that's speaking to all of us. And in verse two, he says, examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind for your loving kindness is before my eyes and I have walked faithfully in your truth. I do not sit with deceitful or unethical or worthless men. You see, look, there are times where there are people who you're hanging around with that you need to, to you know, cop on. And, and you need to see that, that they're dragging you down. Um, there's, there's situations or things that you're involved with. And you need to see, that's not of God. I need to dump that and get rid of it out of my life. That's why he says, you know, to cast off the sin that so easily besets us. So there's, there's places where you're being um, compromised, compromised in your integrity, compromised in truth. Uh, you know and and that's that's not judging people there but you know there there's there's all kinds of things that are going on in the world stuff on social media um things in various age groups where that that people think is is okay and and you know the lord is calling us to purity and i've been thinking a lot this week about in matthew i think it's chapter 5 it's what they call the beatitudes and he said blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see the lord you know, what we want is to see Jesus we want to see the Lord moving in our lives, Amen. and how many of us, God, how wonderful it has been when we have seen God's hand moving in our lives, Amen. when we've seen His deliverance, when we've seen, you know, perhaps maybe you've seen Him, maybe you've seen a, a situation that was deadly or that was dangerous, and you saw yourself delivered out of it. Maybe you've seen you've been through a situation of, of extreme um, trauma or, or sickness where it looked like there was no. Hope Hope and, and then everything changed and, and you were delivered and healed and, and set free. That's why Jesus came, to set the captives free. But you know, in order to receive that freedom, there's some things that we need, that we have the, the, uh, the ability to cut the cards with as well. And, and, and you need to cut the cards where, you're comp- where your integrity and where the truth of God's word is being compromised and where you're being conflicted inside. Um, But he said there, examine me in verse 2, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and mind. Jesus was tested and tried. He was tested and tried by Satan. We read it last week in Luke chapter 4. He was tested by the enemy. And he answered with the word of God. It is written. It is written. And, And that's what he based his identity and his stance and his faith upon was that it is written by God. I have a covenant with God. And you know, you have a covenant now because of the blood of Jesus. You turn to your neighbor and tell him that. You have a covenant. You have a covenant. You have a covenant because of the blood of Jesus. It's a covenant of peace. Isaiah 54 tells us. It's a covenant of peace. How many people in this world today are are looking for peace? They're looking for peace in their minds, in their hearts, in their relationships, in in their physical bodies. They're looking for peace in their finances or in their work or their job. And they have no peace. You know, many of them have maybe way more than what you have, but I'll tell you, what you have, if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a treasure that cannot be bought, it doesn't matter how much money you have, or how much fame, or how much intellect, or or status, or achievements, or, or great things that you've done, none of that matters, because at the end of time, all that's going to be burnt up, and all that's left is you and Jesus, Hallelujah. Amen. But Jesus was tried and tested. He was tried by the devil. He was tried by man. You know, all of these uh, scribes and Pharisees, they were hounding and harassing him. Um, and and even when he was being tried, um, if you want to have a look there at Luke chapter 23. Look, I encourage you, you need to be reading this yourself. Uh, it's It's... It's where the Lord will speak to you. He'll speak to you from his word. Many people, you know, they'll go from meeting to meeting to meeting. They're looking for experience to experience to experience, you know, heightened emotions. And and they're they looking for a word. I wonder, have they a prophetic word for me now? You know, I need a prophetic word. I need a prophetic word. Well, the word of God tells us in Revelation that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If you want a prophetic word, stop going around from church to church and group and meeting to meeting looking for for God to speak to you and start studying his word for yourself Uh, you know and I challenge you with that because that has been something that again it's part of a religious spirit because it's looking for some man or some woman who has something special about them and that they can mediate between you and God and it sort of allows you to abdicate your own responsibility and not have to do anything yourself But the Lord said, "Eh, come to me, eh, you know, all you who are heavy laden. He didn't say, go to this one or that one. He said, come to me. And the, the word of God is the spirit of, or the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So, you know, when you start reading the word of God, you're going to be surprised at the way the Lord speaks to you. He'll speak to you even through through one word. And one word from God can transform and, and deliver and, and shake, break off uh, chains and, and all kinds of, of torment and anguish in, in, in a split second that, that no meeting or no man will give you. Yeah, sure, we join together corporately and it's wonderful and there's an anointing and and there's a corporate anointing. But I'll tell you, your greatest ministry is at home between yourself and the Lord and the Word of God. If you don't own a Bible, you need to get a Bible and you need to start studying it and reading it and ask the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will not forsake you and I will not leave you alone because I will send you the Holy Spirit and he will minister to you and he will teach you all things. And so in in, uh, Luke 23, I think it was, no, oh i've forgotten <laughs> um god there's so much in this in luke twenty two and twenty three you know um and it's also in john eighteen nineteen twenty twenty one um matthew twenty i think it's six or that way um mark fourteen fifteen it, it should be reading that you just sit down we were just speaking there this morning like we sp- we seem to spend our whole lives on the phone now don't we you know, isn't it so lovely to go and sit somewhere in the quiet, uh, in the sun or in the shade or in the in a in a quiet room? Turn on your lamp and just open your Bible and just read it and ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And uh, I, I guarantee you, you'll you'll come out of that a totally different person. In um, Hallelujah, let's read from. Um, Luke 22, say, 29. He went out as was his habit to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. And when he arrived at the place called Gethsemane, that's the garden where he used to go to pray, he said to them, and this is so important, pray continually that you may not fall into temptation. We read there earlier in James 1 that if you want wisdom, ask God. And here Jesus is giving you the key. To pray continually so you don't fall into temptation. And he went away from them, knelt down and prayed. And he said, Father, if you're willing to remove this cup of divine wrath from me, yet not my will, but always yours be done. He prayed that three times. But each of the three times he went back and he found the disciples sleeping. And you know, this is what is happening in the church. Is people are sleeping. It's the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. In, in Matthew 25, where, uh, you know, some had the oil and some didn't have enough oil, but they were all asleep. And when the bridegroom came, only for the fact that the ones who had the extra oil, they would not have been able to go into the feast with him. And it's the same here, Jesus is telling them, you need to pray, you need to know the word of God, you need to talk to me, you need to have relationship with me, so that you do not fall into temptation. And um, an angel appeared to him, strengthening him, and being in agony, deeply distressed and anguished, almost to the point of death. He was almost dead there in the garden anyway from the actual torment and anguish that was upon him about that he was going to suffer. He knew he had seen and read and studied for years in the word of God, the suffering and the torment that he was about to endure. And and he had to have his head in the right place. And you know, this is, this is where he first sweat his blood in the garden, and for any of you that are going through anguish and deep pain or, or, or you know, torment or, or terror, listen, Jesus has already gone there and he's already endured that and he did it so that you could be set free and so that you would not have to endure it. And, and this is, you know, what he's looking for you today is to receive from him, to receive uh, what he's done, and to say, Jesus, you did it. You did it for me. You did enough. I believe you did it uh, so that I could be set free. And I receive that today. And, and never again will I allow the enemy to torment me in my mind with terror or fear. The fear of death or the fear of failure. Because, Jesus, uh, you have made the way for me to succeed and to be, uh, you know, saved To be healthy, to be strong, to be forgiven, to be released from the prison that the enemy has tried to tie me up in. And I pray that today, friends, you will receive that and receive the love of God. Because it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Um, So uh, his, his sweat became as great drops of blood falling on the ground. And when he rose from the prayer, he found them again, sleeping. And he said, get up and pray that you may not fall into temptation. And then, of course, they came for him. And he said, my betrayer is here. And uh, they took him and they seized him. And, uh, oh, before that, he had spoken to Peter. Actually, if you're still in Luke 22, in verse 31, 31, he said, Simon, Simon, Peter, listen, Satan has demanded permission to sift all of you like grain. But I have prayed, especially for you, Peter, that your faith and confidence in me may not fail. And once you have turned back again to me, strengthen and support your brothers in the faith. And Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to die to death. And Jesus said to him, Peter, before the rooster crows today, this was the nighttime. And you know that in in the Bible, the day starts at night," uh, he said. "Before the rooster crows today, you will utterly deny me three times." And uh, in in uh, later on, there, were still in twenty two in, you know, fifty four down along there. Verse fifty four down, uh, it was the encounter where Peter, Jesus, was inside in the high priest's palace, and he was being tried. And tested by them. And Peter was outside in the courtyard. And he was being tested. And you know. Uh, it, it's, it's really symbolic. That the son of God was being tried. And man. Uh, this this uh, human being. Uh, a son of man was outside in the courtyard being tried. And, and the human flesh failed. But Jesus didn't. And uh, you know Peter. He three times he, he, the third time he actually cursed at them and he said, you know, he's, he used some kind of swear language and said, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't even know that guy. And it said, that's in verse 60, wh- immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And it says in 61, I, I think this is such a painful, painful line, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. That's all that sentence says. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. You know, they say, a look is worth a thousand words. And when, when Jesus turned and looked at Peter, do you think he looked at him with eyes narrowed and a, and a scowl on his face? He didn't. He just looked at him with mercy because he had, be, he had already prayed. He already knew that Peter was going to be tested. And later on, you know, in John's gospel, after Jesus was raised from the dead, when he came back to the disciples and he met them on the beach that day where they were fishing, he, he ministered to Peter one-to-one. Again, it's always about the one with the Lord. And he ministered to Peter and he, he ministered to him three times. He asked him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, you know, that was God redeeming back the three times that Peter had said, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Praise God. You know, the Lord is a redeemer. He is our redeemer. And no matter what has happened in the past... No matter what bad things you have been through, no matter what bad things you have done or, or been involved with, you know God is your Jesus is your redeemer, and He came to redeem us to 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 bring us back from the things uh, where the enemy has, has has had access in our lives and and God will redeem time, he will redeem relationships if you bring them to him and 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 allow him to minister to you. He is your redeemer. Amen. And uh, it says there anyway. Um, in 61. This is Luke twenty 61. I'm just looking at the time there. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he, Jesus, had told him. Before a rooster crows today. You will deny me three times. Amen. And he went out and wept bitterly. Deeply grieved and distressed. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking and ridiculing him and treating him with contempt and beating him. That's no different today. It's how the enemy still operates. He mocks people. He ridicules people. He beats them up. He causes them deep pain and anguish. And Jesus endured this uh, he, he endured that rejection. You know, it goes on later there to say they spat at him. The priests, imagine, the priests and, and the ones who were teachers of the law, the rabbis, they spat at Jesus. It says that, you know, he was beaten three times. He was in, in Cai- Caiaphas' house, who was the high priest. In, um, then he was sent to Pilate. Then Pilate sent him to Herod. And then Herod sent him back to Pilate again. And he was beaten in each of those three places. He was mocked. He was spat at. They pulled out his beard. They, they punished him. They, they, you know, it says in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 52 and 53, that when he was on that cross, I hate those pictures of Jesus on the cross. I, I, I think they're an, an abomination and have nothing to do with them because that is not Jesus and it is not what he looked like on the cross. It says that when he was on that cross, You would not even know that it was a human being that was that was up there. So, friends, to conclude this message, you know, Jesus was tried and he was found innocent. And the night before he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, he had spent the evening celebrating the Passover meal. With his disciples, and they celebrated, as all the Jews did at that time, and still do the the first Passover, when God delivered his people out of slavery, out of bondage, um, and uh, brought them out into back into their own land where he had promised them and where they saw God's promises fulfilled, where they saw his mighty hand split the Red Sea so they could cross over, where they saw his hand of provision, bring water from a rock, bring fresh food for them every morning, the heavenly manna. And Jesus fulfilled all of these prophecies that had been written in God's word and promised um, with this Messiah, with this Yeshua, who was to come uh, who was to be the living water, uh, for which men would never have to thirst again? Who was to be the the bread from heaven, the living bread, who would sus who would sustain and nourish and strengthen God's people for all time, and who would become the Lamb of God, who would take away all of the sins um, of of all of our sins he paid the price and he redeemed us he is our redeemer and just in Luke 23 you know when Jesus came before Pilate he didn't uh, he didn't speak um to Herod, and when he came before Pilate, Pilate went back to the people, and he said to them, "You know, I find this man to be totally innocent, to be totally blameless and blemish-free, and I find nothing in him that warrants uh, that warrants him being being crucified." He said, "I will, I will have him flogged, and um, I will have him him beaten to teach him a lesson." You know, and and of course he had this brutal beating again where the Romans' method of beating, um, and this is why Jesus was on that cross, you know, not even looking human anymore. As Isaiah 52 tells us, he didn't even look like a human being because they, they beat him so mercilessly that he was left... Uh, you know, uh, totally, his his whole frame was was ripped open. All his flesh was ripped open. And the reason that he took that beating, the Word of God tells us, was for the healing of our bodies. So that whoever would believe in him, not only would our sins be forgiven and washed by his perfect sinless blood, but that we could receive healing and um, and freedom from sickness, from and and from all kinds of disease. Uh, because of the beating that Jesus took. And that's why it says. By his stripes. By the stripes that they wounded him with. And that they tore his flesh open. He took those stripes. For our bodies to be healed. But when when Pilate uh, brought Jesus before the people. He said to them. I find nothing in this man. of, I find no sin in him whatsoever. And this was foreshadowed. By that first Passover lamb. That when um when moses was given the instruction by god uh, back in exodus chapter 12 god told moses to tell every household to take a lamb for themselves for their whole household and to bring in a, a blemish free Perfect lamb uh, he gave very specific details because of course the the lamb represented such purity and such innocence and you see uh, that 's what Pilate was trying to say to the people is that he found Jesus to be totally innocent and and he he actually had committed no sin. if you look at isaiah fifty three it says there was no sin, no deceit in his mouth, and Jesus never sinned, and that is how he became the Lamb of God, the the one who was able to fulfil the requirements of the law, that that a perfect Lamb be sacrificed in order to uh, to 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 wash the sins of the people, and to to bring wholeness and healing and deliverance to them and to bring them, uh, you know, to to bring them into right standing with God. And Jesus did that for us. And Hebrews chapter 10 is very clear. It says, you know, that it was a one time sacrifice that Jesus uh, made on our behalf so that we could be brought back into right standing with God. And, um, you know, Pilate, actually, his wife sent him a message. You can read it yourself in the Gospels in In John um, 18, 19, 20 there, and in in Luke 22, 23, and Matthew 26, um, Mark 14, 15, um, and 16, where when Pilate's wife sent him a message and said, have nothing to do with that innocent man, for I have had terrible dreams uh, about this uh, involving him. And you see, the thing is, is that um, Pilate told the people there's there's nothing, he has done nothing wrong here and... um. The people actually, what happened is, is, the word of God tells us is that the, the priests, the scribes and the Pharisees went right throughout the crowd and sort of stirred up a rabble, a, a crowd to, to roused them to almost rioting status, shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And, and Pilate was there like, you know, wondering what to do. And it says in the word of God that, that their voices, their voices were so loud that he actually just turned Jesus over to them then and said, okay, do it what you want with him so. You know, that that uh, the power of, and this is going back to what I said earlier, about the power of the voices or the people who are influencing you are so important. And if it's not the Lord who's influencing uh, a person, you know, well, then you have to ask yourself, well, who is speaking to me? Because if it's not God, then it's, it's something from the devil. It's demonic. And that's what was happening here. And you, you've seen it before, you know, where, where there's been people maybe out on a peaceful protest of some kind uh, and that is you know perfectly legitimate it's people's rights to protest but you know where where you have troublemakers who'll come in and who'll stir up that crowd perhaps with neo-nazi type um inclinations and and they'll try and stir that whole thing up uh, and and it suddenly it goes out of all control and that's what happened with pilot that day he lost he was the governor He was the one in charge and yet he succumbed to the power of the people. And this goes back even to, you know, in in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, when Saul 15 and 16, where Saul was the king and, you know, where Saul uh, had the, the kingdom removed from him because... Uh, You know, he, he admitted it himself. He said, I was afraid of the people and of what they thought. And so I did what I did. I did to please the people. And it's very important for us that we only please God and not man. And that's what Jesus did. You know, Jesus was tried. And like we read earlier in Psalm 26, try me, O God. And, and you know, we are being examined by, by the Lord. We're being examined by the enemy. That's why he's called the accuser of the brethren. That's where his name Satan comes from. The word Satan means a, a, an opponent or a legal adversary who opposes in a court type situation. And of course, you know, God sits on, on the throne in the courtroom of heaven and Satan comes before him, it says in Revelation chapter 12, that the accuser of the brethren has now been cast down. So Satan comes before God to accuse His people, His children, the ones He's created, all of human beings, the human race, he Satan accuses us before God. Where from the Word of God, and that's where sin came in. You see, sin was the problem that had to be dealt with, and so you know, for anybody who wants to benefit from what Jesus did for us at the cross, we have to come and humble ourselves before God and acknowledge, I am a sinner. And I have sinned and I can never save myself. I can never do enough good things. I can never be holy enough. I can never be perfect enough in myself, in my own flesh uh, to please God. And this is where religious works and rituals and rites come into play, is, is that this is what the enemy has set up in order to get people to, to constantly be on this hamster wheel of trying to, uh, you know, tick enough back to please God, to, that hopefully someday he'll look with benevolence upon them and say, look, ah, oh, you're a good trier. I, I'll let you in. Okay. No, he couldn't. It, it The sin had to be dealt with by the perfect sacrifice. And that's what Jesus was. And Pilate, even an unbeliever, as him, a Roman officer, uh, admitted, this man, uh, I found nothing in him. And later on, you know, when Jesus was crucified on the cross and when uh, the two... Uh, criminals were crucified either side of him, and it said one of them was was mouthing off and mocking Jesus and ridiculing him as all the people who were standing there, the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees the crowd they were all mocking Jesus saying Aha if you 're the Son of God, get yourself down from there, come on, show us your power, and you know those that cr- those criminals uh, those robbers or thieves they were they were you know it wasn 't just you know it was a fairly serious offense they were crucified for um, the romans of course were were masters in brutality and um you know one of these thieves at the other side of jesus kept mouthing off at him oh yeah if you're the son of god get yourself down i thought you were the king of the jews come on show us your you know and the other the other guy the other criminal you know tells him shut up will you the two of us are here because we deserve to be but this man has done nothing and again you know out of the mouth of two or three witnesses uh, let a thing be established and then later on after jesus uh, was was crucified and when he died um it's in still in luke 23 i just oh, you know it's just it's something we should read often and remind ourselves of what Jesus did, what he did for us, what he endured, what he suffered and what and, and the sacrifice of how he laid his life down for us because he loves you so much. And um, in verse 44, Luke twenty-three forty-four, by this time, it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary, the veil of the temple was torn down the middle from top to bottom. You know, that veil that lay in that temple was about 50 feet tall. And you know, just so that the people could never say, oh look, some guy must have ran in and torn the veil. They couldn't because the presence of God was in there and if anybody went near that, they would drop down dead because of their sin. As I said, sin cannot dwell with God. And so that veil, it was God who ripped it from top to bottom so that it could never be said a man did it. You know, nobody could rip that veil 50 feet high from top to bottom but God did as Jesus died on the cross and the reason he did was that no longer would God's presence ever live in a building or a tent or in a man-made vessel ever again because now because of the Lamb of God taking mankind's sins whoever would come to God and repent of their sins and acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior and as the Holy One the Son of God who who paid the price with his life for our sins to be forgiven those people can come and and receive salvation from God through that act of believing in their hearts and confessing with their mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and from then on as Jesus said I will no longer leave you orphans because I will send the Holy Spirit and he will dwell within you and so God's presence no longer dwells in buildings made by man but it dwells in each one of those his children who who have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior and that's how the Holy Spirit brings revelation to us that's how God speaks to us that's how our our union with God our intimacy with him is connected is by his spirit living inside of each one of us that's what happened and we'll talk about it in a few weeks time that's what happened at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon all the believers who were gathered in the upper room and it said a wind blew through that place and an unnatural Natural wind, And suddenly there were tongues of fire. Uh, it's in Acts chapter one and Acts chapter two. Tongues of fire came and rested upon each one of their heads. And they all began to speak in another language and in the gift of the spirit in tongues, uh, praising and worshipping God. Hallelujah. This is great news, friend. And this is for you. And, you know, don't let the devil rob and steal from you anymore. Don't let him beat you down and make you feel like that. That this trial or, or circumstances or negative things or perhaps anxiety or whatever that it 's never going to change, the devil is a liar don 't ever forget that he 's a liar and he 's a murderer, and he was a murderer from the beginning and he murders people you know not just physically murders but he murders people 's destinies he murders people 's relationships, he murders their marriages, he murders the lives of their children you know he 's a thief, he steals, kills, and destroys he causes destruction and he He doesn't care how he does it. But Jesus said, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Hallelujah. And um, in Luke 23, there where we read that the temple veil was torn from top to bottom down the middle. Then Jesus shouted one last time, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with these words, he breathed his last. And here in 47, when the Roman officer or the centurion overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely this man was innocent And when all the crowd came to see the crucifixion, when they saw what happened, they went home with deep, deep sorrow. Hallelujah. You see, the thing is, is that... Had Satan realized what God had planned, he would have never crucified Jesus. The, Paul tells us that later on in the New Testament. And, you know, that Roman officer, uh, Pilate, uh, that criminal who was on the, the cross next to Jesus, they all saw that this man, they saw in the spirit that day. I, I tell you, there was such a, a portal open that day of, of the spirit realm, uh, you know, uh being so active in that place that these people saw in the Spirit and saw the purity, the holiness in this man Jesus and saw uh, the innocence and what they were seeing was the Lamb of God in the flesh and that other criminal that was being crucified that day when he shouted at the other guy to shut up and and to have some respect for this man who 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 did not deserve to be there he turned to jesus then and he said lord and you know just by by saying this one sentence lord remember me when you enter your kingdom today and Jesus said to him truly I tell you you will be with me today in paradise and uh, you know by acknowledging that Jesus Christ was Lord that man was saved at the last hour of his of his life uh, as he was nailed on that cross and uh, praise God you know God's salvation his plan was was just uh, beyond anything anyone had seen and that's why they missed him that's why they missed Jesus That's why they didn't understand or perceive him. Well, some of them did. But, you know, for those ones whose eyes were blinded, uh, they missed Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that uh, today you would bless this, your son, your daughter, who's listening to this podcast. And that you would reveal to them by the power of your Holy Spirit, as they receive you, Jesus, as their Lord. As they humble themselves and acknowledge their sin before you and receive forgiveness. And as they forgive themselves and as they forgive others and as they as they walk in mercy and forgiveness, uh, that they will see total transformation in their life. All because of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who was tried and tested and found to be innocent. Hallelujah. God bless you, friend. Thank you for joining us today and talk to you again soon.